1: And good Monday to you, and welcome inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, alongside Booner, as you're listening to the Monday edition of the Grind. Boone, we've got a we've got a good one on hand today, as we've got two great uh, invitees, a uh, little little guest in studio. We've got Tony Iruly and Coach Lon Hershburn, Hall of Famer, great guy, and honestly, he's a he's a local legend in this area, but but I mean nationally, got a lot of recognition as well. Uh, also on the sports page, one of the, one of our, our sister shows, if you will, on WKVL and uh, Lon, Coach, I, I don't think I should call you Lon, but appreciate you coming in, and That's again, fine. thank you, Coach.
2: I tell you, it, it's just great uh, being around you, Coach. I mean, uh, you've always been one of my heroes, and so just the opportunity to be around you is a good day for Tony Iverly.
3: Well, I had the privilege of coaching you at Maryville College, and we had three great linebackers there that, uh, another All-American, Wayne Dunn, yeah. was there. But uh, they were aggressive, and that's the first thing I look for in any linebacker. Oh, yeah. Well, if
1: it, if he wasn't aggressive, that mustache was. <laughs> oh, man, I get,
2: I get more heat about that uh, 1970s mustache, the old handlebar mustache. The when, gnarly. When, when you're a 5'9", 200-pound linebacker playing college football, you had to at least look mean. Right, so, right. Uh,
3: had that check mark. He was tough. <laughs> he was tough. Well, Coach. I had the pleasure of coaching. That's awesome.
1: Co- Coach, we talked a lot off air, and, and – you know, the stories just, just continue to come, boom. But, yeah. but you know, Coach, you started at, at – uh, you, you're from Washington area, Washington, D.C. area, and you came to Tennessee. Uh, you had early playing days at Tennessee. But, but how, did, how did that progress? Like, I guess, how did you get well, to Tennessee?
3: Well, General Nealon recruited me uh, out of Washington, D.C. Uh, <laughs> I had probably 40, 50 scholarships oh, over wow. the country, both in football and basketball. Elgin Baylor broke my high school record in Washington. I had 41 points wow. and I averaged 25 points a game.
1: Well, if somebody's gonna break it, oh that's yeah, it. <laughs> that's the man. Yeah, yeah. Isn't
3: that isn't that funny? You should say somebody's gonna break it. Here we have the COVID-19, right? And, and we may not even have sports. And some of these guys that would be up for records are growing too old. Yeah. And uh, they won't get a chance to break records. We just Think of other things, but that's one thing.
1: That's that's absolutely true. So, so what was different about Tennessee? I mean, again, in this area, you think, oh, if you're recruited by the general, I mean, it's something. So, so what made Tennessee so special?
3: Well, they had won the national championship in '51, and uh, I saw him. Well, I didn't see him play, but they beat Maryland, who was a great team that year. And that was big in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, and when General Nealon, who was a great coach, re, was recruiting me and sent people down from the national championship team to see if I'd come to Tennessee, their interest was there. I really didn't choose Tennessee a week before the season started. I wanted to box, but my oldest brother. <laughs> <laughs> who who taught at Georgetown University oh, English. Wow. He says, you take the scholarship, and, and that's, I did take it. And
4: that's the rest arrived, is history.
3: But, and I, it, you know, instead of playing under General, because freshmen weren't eligible, right. and uh, I played under Bowden Wyatt three mm-hmm. years, a great coach, an All-American at the University of Tennessee. Came out of Arkansas, and and we we were second in the nation in 1956 with majors, mm-hmm. yeah. and and
2: uh, were there very, very, were there very many guys from the north coming down to Tennessee to play? Yeah, you, yeah, you from we, New Jersey.
3: Our there was no limit on scholarships. Yeah. We had a 130 freshmen when <laughs> I showed up. Oh wow! I was a fullback to start with, till they found out I wasn't. <laughs> but, but, but nevertheless, uh, That's all. I got there, but. Uh, it, I think there was about fifteen or twenty fullbacks oh, lined wow. up. But I ended up playing one year fullback, and the rest of my years as offensive guard and defensive tackle, because we went both ways back then. And hey,
5: coach, that one hundred and thirty didn't stick around, did they? I'm willing. No, to
3: be- they left. I I'd say in about two weeks' time, it was cut down to maybe fifty or so. They just left. It was tough. We didn't have good equipment. I didn't think. Uh, of course, I played when there was no face mask. I didn't. That's my excuse. I that's was, why you look so pretty right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, I don't even know who the doctor was, so I could sue him. But they took two operations to the, uh, take all the cartilage out and different things. Oh wow! But it was. Our practice uniform was wool shirts, yeah, and it was long sleeves, oh my, yeah. yeah, and wool shirts, canvas pants, mm-hmm. and uh, of course high top shoes. No mouthpiece, no face mask, just wide open, and, and <laughs> it was a different game back then.
1: A lot different, yeah, absolutely. And and, and you talk about to coming to Tennessee, and and you're in this big class, right? And and Talk about Coach w- Coach Bowden Wyatt. I, I kind of love the history of of not only when great coaches are there, but the the next stage. I mean, that was big shoes to fill for for Coach Wyatt, and and he came in and, and did an admirable job uh, taking over for the general.
3: No, he didn't take over for the general. Well, uh, we had another coach, uh, interim coach Harvey Robinson. Harvey Robinson, and uh, he was the coach, and they didn't do so well. That was my freshman year. Sleep. Freshmen weren't eligible. Right. Uh, I was the fullback that started, and Majors, Johnny Majors, was the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And uh, they weren't eligible, but we used T-formations formation formations rather than the single wing, because yeah. that's what we performed against the varsity. Mm-hmm. So uh, I can tell you a funny story. We're playing Kentucky as freshmen, mm-hmm. and I... I was an inner city boy. Didn't, we didn't have a car in our family. We didn't take vacations. So I very seldom got out of DC. And so I, I'm sitting next to the majors and we're going by bus to Lexington. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make the the uh, Southern boys feel like I knew something. Yeah, I didn't know a thing about the country. <laughs> but I looked in this barn and, and I said, Johnny, look at all those foxes. Well, it was tobacco. I'd never seen tobacco. <laughs> it was just hanging, hanging. yeah. And i never seen foxes either, but that's what it looked like to me. And he passed it on to everybody on the bus, and it was a big deal. It didn't work. That. It didn't work. Didn't work.
1: <laughs> Good laugh, I uh, uh, swear. And, and you know, we talk about Johnny Majors. You know, we just we just lost him just a couple weeks ago. Great, great guy. We actually we we we're working for him to get in the Hall of Fame as a, as a coach too. Yeah. As uh as as now uh, he could be the fifth in that in that in that run. But but Johnny Majors, what kind of you talk about? Everybody calls him Johnny, the first Johnny football, uh, the fair-haired child. Uh, my father-in-law says that it was his mom and daddy's. Uh, it was their Peyton Manning. It was their, their golden boy. Is that is that true?
3: Well, he was blessed to have his dad coach him. His dad was a great coach. He ended up coaching in college, too, as well. That was Shirley Majors? Yeah, Shirley. Yeah, he ended up at,
2: coaching down in Swanee.
3: Down in Swanee. Right. And he was a great high school coach, mm-hmm. too, as well. Johnny, his attributes was he had good speed. He was about at 10-flat. 100 oh, wow. running but he was small uh, but he could see the field i think that was the greatest thing when you block for him people would fall over you just to get to him because he would set it up so good but it, yeah you know when he w- he was second in the heisman trophy and that became a political thing uh they didn't they don't
2: want to get someone from the south
3: no no, the, no and the other thing is uh, Paul Horning was at Notre Dame who got who was, first. Uh, were they
1: two and six, two and eight, They won. Like that?
3: That's the only time yeah. in the Heisman Trophy that a loser wins the Heisman trophy. I don't know what they And
1: and, and if you would have looked at
2: uh, Paul Horning's stats yeah. that season, I mean they weren't uh, exceptional Magical, stats. Yeah. They were just kind of average stats. Yeah. Well, and, Tennessee and they win the two
3: games and lose eight. Which is unbelievable. What were they saying? Why he deserved it? He was the quarterback in the, yeah. in the high in the college, in the pros he was a halfback. Right. But uh, but any rate, <laughs> to tell you how bad this was, the probably the greatest running back of all time was fifth in the Heisman truck, Jim Brown.
1: Wow. Ooh. Wow. And and the funny thing is that's funny you bring that up because. Anytime that was brought to Johnny's, or John, Majors, to his his discussion, he goes, you know, Paul got the trophy, da-da-da-da-da, but there was other great players that were in that year that were well-deserving, and he brought up Jim Brown. He said, yeah. you know, Jim Brown was doing some great things at, at Syracuse. Syracuse, right? yeah. And so, yeah, I, that that, uh, that always—it's funny—the the 1st loser, first and only loser to ever win the Heisman, beats Johnny. Uh, the only defensive player beats Peyton. So, I mean, it's a Tennessee thing. I don't know.
3: <laughs> well, it's just they they saw Notre Dame on air all the time, and mm. I guess they didn't see other people. That's true. That's let me, true. Let
2: me just say this: one of the best days of my life. Uh, outside my family, was the time about two, three years ago, you set it up where you, me, and Johnny Majors had lunch together. Yeah. And uh, that was just awesome. I just sat at the table and just kept my mouth shut and let Johnny and Coach just go in and tell stories. I, I mean, that was really a good day, and I really want to thank Well, he for that was one of my best friends uh, yeah.
3: ever. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when he came to Tennessee is when I left coaching there mm-hmm. because he had to take care of his staff. And he was, he was really nervous when he was there talking to me. And we'd been friends playing and, of course, ever after that. But I knew something was wrong, and, and he couldn't offer me a job at Tennessee because he had to take care of his staff. Right. They only yeah. allowed three op, uh, offensive coaches. And three defensive coaches. Oh, if and, if
1: it was today, they could have kept both staffs. Yeah, because what they do now.
3: But uh, back then, that's all. Wow. So. But. He came around, and we still were great friends afterwards.
1: That that's all. And, and Johnny Majors, like everybody says, you know, you can't say Tennessee without Tennessee football without thinking of Johnny Majors, or vice versa. You can't say Johnny Majors without thinking of Tennessee. But as as your time at Tennessee again, playing for Bowden Wyatt, uh, you you had some great success, uh, played with some great teams, some great teammates. Uh, of course, I, I'm assuming Johnny Majors is kind of the. The, the front runner of of your favorite teammates, but you you had a lot of great teammates.
3: Oh, I had great ones. My best friend, my very best friend, was Frank Kalinski. He played tackle next right to next me. to you, yeah. And uh, he was a super guy that was a lot like Tony Arulie. He was tough, and you'd almost have to kill him to beat him. <laughs> but but he, I told Frank we were out together, and I said Frank, I've never seen anybody. With with less ability than you, oh, and no. and he didn't have it. He was just a tough guy. Right. And and the other tackle that played was Jim Smelcher. Later on, our senior year, uh, was Frank in, uh, and Jim, uh, and my God, he was the same way. He was he wasn't fast, but he was a tough individual.
1: And, and you know, Boone, you got something.
3: Uh, Go ahead. I'm going to ask him after this one. Oh, I
1: was just going to say, you know, you had a great time at Tennessee, but then, then after, you know, we we know you went and had some some NFL experience, and you you got into coaching, but you were in the military. You were a paratrooper after college. How did how did that progress? How'd you get well, there? Well,
3: uh, I took a regular army commission, and they don't they give reserve, but they offered it to me. I wanted to be a, a in the Army Mm -hmm. for a career. And so uh, I went to Airborne, I made 30 jumps, and I was also a ranger, that was before the Green Beret. And uh, then I served under General Westmoreland, who became the the, the Mm top-ranking officer for Vietnam. But when I, and we won the service championship at Fort Campbell two years, and I was captain both years. Then we went to Fort Eustace, I was captain again. We won the service championship, and uh, that was interesting. General Besson was the head of the Transportation Corps, and General Westmoreland was at West Point before he became a uh, commander of Vietnam. But uh, he offered me to coach in the service at uh, West Point. Really? So I, he flew me up there. This is interesting. He flew me up there and had a colonel show me around. And I didn't have the courage to tell him I'm getting out of the service to go with the Redskin. Oh, wow. So Too much I,
5: respect, Coach.
3: But it was a nice letter that he wrote to General uh, Besson. And I asked General Besson would he call him and tell him I really appreciate it, but I'm getting out.
5: Hey, Coach, uh, listeners are going to love this, but you you guys had to have a special type of courage, uh, bravery, training. Uh, there's a story going around. I want to verify it. Did you guys actually have to go in a swamp with a log and some alligators in there, or is that just rumors?
3: No, that's true. That's part of the course. They marched us into the swamp. When we got down into Florida, uh, we had, uh, I think, two weeks. We'd already had, uh, we were already taught how to uh, fight and do all that business and how to patrol. So we were on patrols, basically. We get to Florida and they march us in the swamps and there's a bunch of alligators. Well, I never knew alligators <laughs> weren't mean. Crocodiles are mean, but they won't bother you unless you bother them. Oh, wow. So anyway, uh, I I thought they were crazy at the time doing it, but but this
5: is at nighttime, right, Coach?
3: No, this was in the daytime. All of our all of our patrols were at night, but this is when we first got there. And when we go on a patrol at night, the last guy in the patrol was walking backwards with a bayonet. We didn't have any uh, ammunition in the in our rifle but he was walking backwards because of the alligators following <laughs> <laughs> this. And then when it got dark, so dark, you couldn't see him anyway. He'd turn around. We followed the luminous tape on the guy in front of you, and only one guy had the uh, compass. So, uh, and we rotated who would have the compass. One time, we found out how to get a little bit of sleep, cause you never sleep they 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 want you to be stressed out i right.
2: yeah, y'all made it out okay then huh
3: well let me tell you
2: <laughs> <laughs> see it's, the story never ends mm-hmm, all right, right? there's well, always I,
3: I, go ahead we're walking of course it's, it's dark and a guy steps in a hole and it goes under the water and he comes up and no one's in front of him he said we're lost So we all gathered around, put our arms around each other, and stayed there. It's pitch black, remember, in the swamps. And in the morning, we wake up, and we're surrounded by alligators. (laughs) Oh, man. they don't bother you. you It's a crocodile. They're very observant. Right. Someone fed them already. We don't have any here, thank God. But at any rate... uh, they sent a helicopter to lead us out because we don't have a compass or anything. Right. And so the next time we designated who fall asleep, so we could get some sleep. It's oh, like we're you gonna sly
1: have, dog! It's like we're going to have to manipulate all of this. But, but, coach, you. So we've made it to getting to Tennessee, winning an SEC championship at Tennessee, and now we've battled with alligators. So we're going to take us a quick break. Listen to these fine sponsors. When we come back, we're going to talk about getting back to Knoxville, getting to be. Uh, head coach at Fulton, and then what it looked like building through there and then getting to Tennessee uh, to coach once again. But we'll talk that on the flip side of the break. You're listening to The Grind, 100.9 FM, 8.50 a.m. and streaming at WKVL.com. We'll be right back. You don't want to miss it. or go to DonnaCry.com. M-I-G is an equal housing lender.
6: 2020 has been anything but predictable, but there is one thing we can count on. Football will be back. Blunt Broadcasting is proud to remain the radio home for two of Tennessee's most successful high school football programs, Marable High School and Alcoa High School. Each team looks to repeat as state champions, and your support is needed to get these great programs off and running here in 2020. So, if you or your business would like to support these great student-athletes and great coaches, then help Blunt Broadcasting get their games on the radio. Give us a call and let WGAP and WKVL Radio get working for you. Give us a call at 865-724-1100. That's 865-724-1100. Or shoot us an email at info at WKVL.com. Let's work together to get your great business and these local high schools the exposure they have earned and deserve.
1: Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. Have you been asking yourself if it's time to take that business idea and make it a reality? Do you need help with marketing or getting a leg up on the competition? Then check out my friends at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville, a company invested in Blunt County and ready to help. They can take your business to the next level. Mike, Janet, and the staff at 42nd Street are a dream to work with, And I'm proud to say that they built the grindonsports.com into what it is today. But if you need marketing and maybe don't know where to start, check out my guys at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville. Their phone number is 865-982-7007. Or you can check out their work online, 42SD.com. Again, phone line is 865-982-7007 or online at 42SD.com. Check them out. I think you'll be glad you did. from the website. It's a one-stop shop for everything The Grind. Check us out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com.
0: We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is sports radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 850 AM. Rocky Top Sports.
1: welcome back inside the wkvl studios of rocky top sports i'm wayne kaiser alongside booner coach tony irule and coach lon Hersbrun. excited to have this this going on today boone and, and man it's it's been a it's been a fun first segment and we're, we're just a third the way through the hour but but boone uh we're going to talk a little bit about how coach hersbron got back to to knoxville how all of that kind of came to be and then how he got his is got back into coaching somewhat
5: at fulton high school Coach, um, a lot of leadership. You're, you're a born leader. Um, I, I read where um, you almost um, got killed because of that competitive spirit. Um, well, you still got the competitive spirit. You're kind of at a part in your life, and you're like, well, what am I going to do next? Well, what you're going to do next is pick up uh, in uh, Alcoa there. How did you find out, share with the listeners, uh, that you were actually – The coach. This is one of the weirdest stories I've ever heard in my life. At Fulton.
3: Well, it happened. uh, My wife and I were sitting down at a table. I didn't have a job. I just got back from the Redskins. And uh, what year was this? uh, This was uh, sixty-two. Okay. Uh, But anyway, we were sitting at the table, and. My wife was reading the sports. I was reading the rest of the paper. Right. And she said, you know, you're the head coach at Fulton High School. (laughs) And we were in Alcoa, say. Oh, wow. And I said, well, where is Fulton? She said, I I guess it's in Knoxville. So I said, well, I went over and found Fulton High School. (laughs) I went in and the secretary at the desk. I, I introduced myself. I said, I'm Lon Hersburn. And I saw in the paper that I'm the new head football coach. And she said, you are. And I said, well, how did that come about? Uh, And she said, well, you know, the uh, – well, I don't know how it really came about. She said something. But nevertheless, I went and found the other coaches, Uh and they wanted to leave because they applied for the job. I said, if one of you guys want to be head coach – Next year, we'll rotate every year. Well, when it came to next year, they didn't want it. Right. But I end up coaching. But nevertheless, it it was a a crazy experience. And I found out later how I got the job. Bo Schaefer played tackle uh, with us on the 57 team, 1957. Uh And uh, his dad was the head of the school board and he told him that I was back in town and so that's how I got the job
1: now what what brought you back to Knoxville i mean with the redskins and you'd kind of you'd seen the world at at some point at some rate you know what got you back to Knoxville
3: well um, my wife was from alcoa okay and 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 she loved the area and i did too i think the mountains and the ocean reminds me of god right. it's so big man can't screw it up mm. And it just—I <laughs> I love the. That's area. a
1: T-shirt if I've yeah, ever that, found one. If that one, isn't a shirt, I'm, I'm,
2: you, you can send, sell thousands of those. Yeah, we'll have
1: you just sign it at <laughs> the bottom, Coacherman.
3: Yeah. But I really—I love the area, and I've stayed here sixty-some years. I guess it's been. As it,
1: I as I tell people, you've been here longer than you ain't. Yeah. So you you've uh, you've made a day of it, but but when you get the Fulton job. There's some hurdles there, right? You like you don't have a field. There's uh there's some different things going on well, there.
3: That that's a story in itself. We didn't have a stadium. Everybody else had stadiums, but we didn't. So uh, I got a hold of Cas Walker. Oh, and, there's and a character. I was on his show at six o'clock in the morning. Wow. And he's telling people that we got to support them and get them a sta- uh, a, a stadium. Well. He backed me pretty good, and he told the people that he got his foods from for his stores how much he didn't ask them how much they wanted to give. He told them what to get because he knew how much (laughs) money he spent with them. But that – and I got the whole community. The kids were selling candies and everything, and uh, Coach uh, Scott was uh, on the staff, and he was also in the Marine Corps, and he got the people to make the field, but we did a lot of things like that. But we never after we built that field, we never lost a game on it.
1: I heard. I heard you were uh, there. There was a little discussion because it was right there at St. Mary's at the time. Now it's called something right. else.
3: Everybody told me we can't have a stadium because of the noise factor for St. Mary's. I said let's build it and see who says something. Yeah. Right. Just
1: and, let's see what happens. Yeah,
3: <laughs> and we did build it and. Uh, Of course, they have a great program now.
5: Absolutely. Hey, Coach, you had – man, I remember seeing this guy play. I didn't even know you were his coach. All I know is where did that explosion come from? Two words, Jackie Walker. If I'm not mistaken, you guys go over there and beat Oak Ridge for the first time. He throws a hit on the guy. The stadium turns deathly silent. Uh, Did you not think at the time Jackie had killed him?
3: Yes, I really did. It was the hardest lick I've ever heard. You could hear it all over the stadium. And uh, that he was an all-state tailback for Oak Ridge. And uh, we were the only team in Knoxville to ever beat Oak Ridge at that time. Uh, they were the largest school in Tennessee. But uh, he And he came out okay, by the way. Um, but Jackie was a great explosion, and we taught that. He didn't have to teach him much about it because it came natural to him. And, uh, of course, I had the pleasure of coaching him in college, too. But I, we had another great linebacker that people don't realize. He's with Dallas Cowboys. He was the player of the year defensively at Mississippi State, Dede Lewis. Absolutely, D.D. Lewis. And uh, I had the privilege of coaching him, too. And, and that we had another All-American Besides Billy Wilson and Carson Newman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had three high school All-Americans there. And uh, this is odd, because I didn't really know Doug Dickey. And he calls me up and wants me to come over to UT. And uh, I didn't know what he wanted, I had no idea. And uh, I said, well, I can't come over there because I'm working out my team. We had one weight machine. And uh, we worked out the whole team on it. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, I, w- I said, but you can come over here and I'll have a manager look for you. So the manager comes running in and says, he's in a big limousine outside and he wants you to come out there. <laughs> so I met with him in his car and he said, how would you like the coach for me uh, the, and the linebackers? And and be ahead of the weight program, mm-hmm. which they didn't have anybody right, right. in the weight program. Yeah. Yeah, it's and, crazy.
1: They, that was just part of football practice. There wasn't a separate thing, right? Back well, then,
3: I had it by myself in the offseason, season the whole thing. Well, it, was, it, it seemed like they were late at it mm-hmm. as far as I was concerned. But uh, I told them I had five jobs to make a living for my family. Uh, one was teaching. Uh, with a master's degree and and the other was uh, coaching uh, and I worked for Sears and Roebuck where they were very good to me. They put me where the business was and I was on straight commission and there's a, some great stories about that because I sold a, the largest TV we ever had at Sears to a guy from Bryceville and I took time with him. He had a his, uh, I guess his overalls on, sitting in front of the largest TV we had. And uh, <laughs> he was from Bryceville, Tennessee, and I saw him, took him to the credit department. He came back fuming and because they wouldn't give him credit. And I said, well, just pay for it then. And he pulls out big bills because his tobacco just came in Right. And and I said, well, do you have a truck? He said, yeah. I said, well, I'll help you get it into the truck. I said, where do you live? He said, Bryceville. He said, we hope to have electricity within a year. And, <laughs> and I didn't know what to say at the time. All the salesmen yeah. listened to all this. You know, we had about <laughs> six or eight uh, people selling. And, and this went all over the country.
1: He bought a TV before he had electric. Yeah. Wow. So that that's the salesman. largest
3: TV we had to a guy without electricity. Well,
1: that that yeah. goes right as long with the uh, sell ice to an Eskimo. That's a that's the yeah. level. Yeah, See I told
2: you when we were talking about bringing Coach Herzman here, I said he's going he's going to fill the whole time with stories. I mean, you don't it's know awesome. where the stories are going to well, go, but he's got
3: great stories. Well, it, that was true, yeah. uh, right down the line. That's
5: awesome. Uh, Coach, but, did did Dickie match your salary? Yeah, he
1: he matched it. So we were only at three jobs there. We were coach, teacher, and then Sears and Roebuck. But
3: also I I, uh, refereed basketball for the recreational department. I played for the Knoxville Bears. I was captain of that too. Wow. Busy man. Got the outstanding player for the Knoxville Bears. And I was making – some money there like how big is your trophy room? Like I just yeah. feel like we're not we're just now getting to the Fulton
1: days and the trophy room just seems to be heavy. Yeah, well that's awesome.
3: I had the privilege to be around a lot of winners. I don't One know. sitting right next to me, Tony or, I, so. I, I I love oh. the people that would pay a price to be a champion.
1: Run with champions, right? That's what the book says. Yeah. That's what the book says. But but coach, you talk about the we're in the limo, he's talking about it. And and my understanding is is maybe he he didn't come with enough firepower to get you right off the bat.
3: No, I told him I was going to talk to my wife, and, and uh, the coaches that were at Fulton to see if I ought to do that because we were beating everybody at that time, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I got uh, two coach of the years in six years or so I was there, and it was a great situation. And I was coaching with guys that were great coaches, Buddy Beam and Jerry Scott. Uh, And later on, Mike LaSorce coached with me. He was captain of UT at one time, and he was another good coach. And Bob Black. Yeah, his son's now coaching. Yeah, and he's still coaching at Fulton. Uh, (laughs) His son's the head coach. Right. right? But they were tremendous coaches. Not only on the field, but they cared for the kids. We, we had an area that Fulton High was both vocational and academic. And these guys, and by the way, we started uh, like a, uh alumni-type people for the people around there, and the community really got a hold of it. That's awesome. That's so, that's so great. But so, so you talked to
1: your wife, and, and it looks like history says you made your way to Tennessee. That's exactly right. And then you came into a time in, in Tennessee, linebacker history, uh, that you developed most of, but uh, that uh, is, is not soon to be
3: forgotten. Yeah, well, when I got there, Conner and uh, Reynolds were already there. Uh, Conner had already made uh, All-American. And the year I got him, he made All-American again, and so did Reynolds. And I I believe Walker made sophomore All-American, who I coached in high school. Mm -hmm. Jackie Walker was there. So uh, great, great linebackers, all of them. Uh, Connor won the Buckus Award. And later on, Jamie Rotella, who played for me at UT, wins the Buckus Award. I had two of them win the... Outstanding linebackers in the country.
5: Wow. Hey, Coach, uh, very important here. Tell me the five things your linebackers have to have or they're not getting on the field. Tell us which one's really important.
3: Well, they're in this order of importance. That's more important than anything. Number one is aggressiveness because they're in a position to make something happen. And I wanted to teach explosion to them because they're going to take on blockers, they're going to take on ball carriers, and they still have to be able to be a receiver uh, and dropping back in the zone. Uh, So uh, all those factors are in in that order of importance. All of them had the number one and two, aggressiveness and quickness. Number three was speed. Number four was size or strength. Uh, Walker only weighed. I list him at 185, but he only weighed about 170. Wow! Uh, but he could. Well, he, he could run. He could. Well, he wasn't that fast. None of them could run under four or five, uh, which that's what they talk about. Yeah, yeah. I didn't care. You never run 40 yards. No. You know the judge how fast he is, but they're quick. Mm-hmm. They can get off a block quick, and they can explode, and that's quickness.
5: And hey, when they get to that ball carrier, they are one angry man. Yeah,
3: they're very aggressive. And, you know, I've heard coaches say, I don't know what he has in him." I knew what my coach, my players had because they were aggressive. They wanted to get there and do some damage.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: During uh, the time the coach was the uh, linebacker coach of Tennessee, if, if you were a coach and you wanted to learn about linebacker play, there was two places you are going to go. One, you're going to go to the University of Tennessee with Coach, or you're going to go up to Penn State with Coach Sandusky. Those were the two premier s- schools and coaches that if you want to learn about linebacker play, that's where you went. And well, so, I mean, he was, the, he was the man, especially in the South. About The,
3: the go, foremost authority. The <laughs> foremost authority, well, absolutely. I'm going to tell you, I coached, I guess they'd fire me today. We hit all the time mm-hmm. because you, you can't
5: – Full speed. Tony, Tony
3: literally reminisced right there. You cannot right get there. the confidence <laughs> by doing something yeah. half speed. And I, I say this because in basketball you see some guys that can knock the eyes out of it in a game called horses, yeah. but they can't play basketball mm. because they go half speed, take their time. That doesn't happen when somebody's guarding yeah. you. Dope. Everything you do has to be full speed. Mm-hmm. The greatest thing you can have as an athlete is confidence. Or in anything you're going to do, I don't care in life, is confidence. Well, if you coach that way and give repetitions, that's the only way you can get confidence is through repetition. So you go over and over. the. You know, I've heard people say, take care of the uh, little things What was it? Take care of the little things. The big things will take care of themselves. I disagree with that. I think the big things are so important. I don't care if the little things, if he can do it. I had a linebacker take a false step every time. uh, Spiva. Mm
4: -hmm. But when he got
3: there, he was angry and he made something happen. So I tried to get him out of it. But I spent a lot of time with him. But he'd get right back into it when he's going a different direction than right. <laughs> so, so I wouldn't – I do not care about it because I wanted him to get to the ball.
5: Yeah. Hey, Coach, uh, speaking of getting to the ball, I know a certain coach, forget getting to the ball, he was getting two people in the stands. You want to help us there, Tony?
1: Oh, well, that's, oh, that's jumping no, the no, MC no. days, but go ahead. Well um, – I think both the ones in the other room had something to do with this yeah. instance, right?
2: Well, we were playing against uh, – uh, it was Rhodes College. Rhodes College. Or at that time, it was, it was called uh, Southwestern. And uh, Coach is on the sideline. And uh, all of a sudden, two of their fans come right behind our bench, and there was a, a, a gate there, a fence, and starts yelling at Coach. What at, were they saying to Coach?
3: Well, they were cussing yeah. uh, at the coaches and the players. And uh, and then they, they started – They were
2: a little Ill- liberated. And then they started
3: waving that big knife. Yeah. Oh. And, and I told that guy I was going to take that knife. I, I started up that fence <laughs> to the top, uh-huh. and I said, I'm going to take that knife and stick it right up. <laughs> so, coach is going there. over the fence. Okay. I'm
2: running behind coach trying to pull him back. So, I, you know, he's going over the fence. I'm grabbing him by the waist and I'm pulling him back. Well, I pull him back. And his day he was wearing sweatpants, goes down all the way down to his ankle. Oh no! So I'm seeing this bare butted coach still trying to go over the fence. He's, he's showing
1: probably- that confidence. He's got confidence. He's going to get over there and take care of that knife. So well, uh, <laughs> I saw
2: things I had never seen before, <laughs> nor one. Yes, to see I, again. I need. I need some counseling after that. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. Oh no!
1: But but, coach, you you practice what you preach. You you had confidence. You did you did your thing, and you talk about you, t- coach. I really was talking about. Uh, Sandusky at Penn State, but at that time there was some serious horses and studs up in Pennsylvania. Penn State was doing doing some work with Franco Harris and those guys. They come down here, and I guess you guys go up there once, and y'all thump no, them. Both. We no, we didn't. They, they came down twice, didn't they? Twice yeah.
3: they came down here.
1: I think that was a that was a modern modern marvel of uh, Doug Dickey. But
3: well, they had a they had a great team. They had Lydell Mitchell and Franco Harris in the backfield. And people don't realize they had Capoletti on the defensive back who wins the Heisman Trophy the next year. At, at on the w- offense, that yeah. That we play him. And so uh, we beat him. And, and Bobby Majors had a tremendous game in the kicking game, uh, both punt returns and kickoffs. Uh, I forget how many yards he made, but it was outstanding. And, he, of course, he made All-American two years. That's Johnny's brother, Bobby. Absolutely, Major. yeah. And uh, later on, uh, Joe Paterno invites me up there, just just myself, to find out how we beat him those two years. And I, I, it's just myself and him in the office. And then a big tight end comes in, bigger than anybody I've seen. And he says, Coach. I've got a problem. I've got a lab that's going to make me late for practice. He said, What'd you come here for? To get an education or to play football? And he didn't answer. He said, You get in that lab. Absolutely. yeah. people don't realize that Joe Paterno taught an English class, one class. And he wanted to teach. The whole time? The whole time? Yeah, the whole time he was there. Every year. He was a great coach. Great coach. But anyway, I told him how. We beat him because his fullback always took me to the ball, and I mirrored him. And uh, also, he had a wing back, He ran the wing tee, and the guy was too slow to, to uh, hurt us, and so we didn't worry about the reverse. Right, just uh, and sure, he, we'll catch you. And I said, you don't throw the ball very well. <laughs> he, he jumps over the table. He said, what are you saying? I said, well, you, want, you brought me down here to tell you how we beat you. We're not on schedule with them anymore. Yeah,
5: yeah right. So, Your coach did not want you uh, flying up there and telling him, did he?
3: I don't think he minded that so much. He really, Coach Battle, really didn't want me to tell the secrets of what we did with linebackers because we had so much success. We did different than other people. I can tell you now, I never set up a linebacker in pass defense. I had him look to see if anybody was in his zone, and if there wasn't, he better get where the ball is Mm. uh, and and watch the quarterback and the receiver, put his head on a swivel. Mm. Also, we play run hard, and then we had to react. So if you take time to get back there and set up, it's too late. So we did a lot of things, and we really – Looked like we were stunting, but we never stunted. We just read to get us to the ball. And the name of your
2: defense was, what, the Tennessee Bubble defense? It was Bubble. We had three
3: linebackers standing up in the middle. We hold about every record that you can think in 70 and 71, and it still stands today. And nobody – That literally is the next thing on the list. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody used that defense to this day, and it's the record-setting – for, since 1970 and 71. Oh, and Coach, was Warden, it, you
1: had 36, 36
3: or interception one season? I can't remember all of it. it he showed a, me a picture. It was fabulous. It's it's incredible
2: crazy. stats during those seasons. Uh-huh. You know,
3: Jackie Walker, uh, uh, my linebacker, uh, in his career he had five touchdowns. He, he tied Jake Scott from Georgia, and that's unheard of for a linebacker. Sure to score that many touchdowns. Coach, you're not I, I'll tough. tell you a story that you'll love about this. When I was playing fullback, I played defensive back, and I was dating my wife and just dating, and I said, I'm going to make a touchdown for you against Alabama. And she said, well, of course, she was delighted about it. <laughs> right. And uh, I did score a touchdown against Alabama. Well, when I was coaching – Against Alabama, Jackie Walker, her birthday was on the day that we play Alabama. And so he comes up to my wife and says, I'm going to score a touchdown for you. And daggone if he does. Same day. And I, I, I told her we were trying to score. Score a touchdown for a champion in our life.
5: Out right of way, yeah. Hey,
3: Mama's one, happy. Though.
5: Always happy. Hey, Coach. These are NCAA records, not Tennessee all-time, and not SEC, right?
3: No, these are NCAA NCAA, so, and it
5: still stands fifty years later. Wow.
1: So, so Boone pulled it up. Boone, uh, Boone has the stats. Boone's the numbers guy. 1970, 36 interceptions, twenty-one fumble recoveries, and fifty-seven total turnovers. 1971, 6 touchdowns on interceptions, 25 interceptions, and uh it looks like an average per interception 31.3 yards. Uh 2-year stint that's never been touched since.
3: Yeah. And we had some great defensive uh coaches too. Back those backs. Buddy Bennett was one of them and uh I I, is, I can't remember the yep. other one. Absolutely, but
1: uh, but but, coach. Those are just that's that's stuff that happens on purpose. You you worked hard and got them to that place, and then ultimately they just executed on the field. Yeah, I think the comment about the Joe Paterno thing is the comment was made. You know, we can tell them all day, but you got to coach it, right?
3: Oh yeah, yeah. You know, they didn't want me to give it away some of our secrets, but I told Coach Battle Mm -hmm. they got to coach it. It isn't a thing. I'm going to tell you. We knew that we didn't try to fool anybody on the different defenses like they do today. Right. You know, they show one and play another. They knew what we were in, but our players could beat their guys Mm -hmm. because why? They had confidence, and we gave them repetition over and over again to have confidence in what we were doing.
5: Muscle memory is what they call it. Hey,
1: yeah. coach, coach, it's it's continuing to be just one of the, the best storytelling times we've had on this show. But we got to get one more break in. Well, let's take us the last break, listen to these great sponsors. When we come back, we're gonna move a little bit more about Tennessee, then go to Maryville College, where you had some really fun linebackers there, one sitting across from you, and then talk a little bit about what you've been doing since you've been out of coaching, the sports page, and then your time back here. Uh, in Mariville. But we'll talk about that on the flip. You're listening to The Grind, 100.9 FM, 850 AM, and streaming okay. at WKVL.com. We'll be right back. You don't want to miss it.
0: Your hometown alternative to Ordinary Sports Radio, 100.9 FM, 850 AM. Rocky Top Sports.
8: Your local Blunt County Community Food Connection is still open serving local families in time of need and hardship. We provide prepackaged groceries to help meet your nutritional and dietary needs. The Community Food Connection is open Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday from 10 a.m. until noon for drive-up delivery only. Residents are asked to remain in their vehicle so that our volunteers may safely distribute the food. Directions as to how to enter and depart the facility will be clearly displayed. We thank you for your cooperation and look forward to serving you at your Blunt County Community Food Connection.
1: or go to DonnaCry.com. M-I-G is an equal housing lender.
8: El Jimidor Mexican Grill. Authentic Mexican food in Maryville, Tennessee for the past 15 years. Open Sunday through Thursday, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Friday and Saturday, 11 a.m. to 10.30 p.m. El Jimidor offers Monday through Friday lunch specials with their 15 minutes or free guarantee. Call your order in at 865-681-6040, and delivery is available. You'll enjoy a comfortable environment while gathering with family and friends at El Jimidor Mexican Grill, located at 1705 East Lamar Alexander Parkway in Maryville, Tennessee. El Jimidor Mexican Grill, a proud sponsor of Blunt County Sports.
6: 2020 has been anything but predictable, but there is one thing we can count on. Football will be back. Blunt Broadcasting is proud to remain the radio home for two of Tennessee's most successful high school football programs, Maribel High School and Alcoa High School. Each team looks to repeat as state champions and your support is needed to get these great programs off and running here in 2020. So if you or your business would like to support these great student athletes and great coaches, then help Blunt Broadcasting get their games on the radio. Give us a call and let WGAP and WKVL Radio get working for you. Give us a call at 865-724-1100, that's 865-724-1100, or shoot us an email at info at WKBL.com. Let's work together to get your great business and these local high schools the exposure they have earned and deserve.
1: Have you been asking yourself if it's time to take that business idea and make it a reality? Do you need help with marketing or getting a leg up on the competition? Then check out my friends at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville, a company invested in Blunt County and ready to help. They can take your business to the next level. Mike, Janet, and the staff at 42nd Street are a dream to work with, and I'm proud to say that they built the grind on into what it is today. But if you need marketing and maybe don't know where to start, check out my guys at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville. Their phone number is 865-982-7007, or you can check out their work online, 42SD.com. Again, phone line is 865-982-7007, or online at 42SD.com. Check them out. I think you'll be glad you did. Whitlock &
7: Company Certified Public Accountants features accounting services for individuals and businesses, serving Blunt County for over 30 years. Everything from income tax preparation services to personalized accounting plans for small businesses and large corporations with over 100 employees. For a full range of accounting services, including payroll processing, bookkeeping
1: on Apple Podcast and Google Play Music directly from the website. It's a one-stop shop for everything The Grind. Check us out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com.
2: When the temps heat up, drive in comfort with the lowest prices every day on refrigerant from Rule King. This week's Rudy Special is a 12-ounce R134A auto air conditioning refrigerant for just $2.99. The other guys are $4.99. This is for a limited time. Brands may vary and limit 12 per customer. For all your automotive needs, check out the selection and low prices at Your Neighborhood Rule King, America's Farm and Home Store.
1: Custom shirts, vinyl decals, and all things custom printing. That's what Night Shift Printing brings your way. If you need custom printed accessories, check out my man Jacob Carter of Night Shift Printing. You can contact them direct 321 6845 or via email at nightshiftprinting at gmail.com. That's K-N-I-G-H-T, shiftprinting at gmail.com. Check them out on Facebook and Instagram. You don't want to miss it. It's well worth it. WKVL 850 AM
0: Maryville. And WKVL 100.9 FM Maryville. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is sports radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 850 AM. Rocky Top Sports.
1: Welcome back inside the WKVL studios, right here at Rocky Top Sports. This is the Lon Hersbrand interview. If you haven't noticed, we're in a little bit of overtime here as we've stayed on a little bit longer today. But hey, when the stories keep coming, we're going to keep talking. So again, Coach, thanks for coming in. It's 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 been great talking with you, and there's still more to unfold. I think we're still at Tennessee uh, linebackers, Coach. You've had some great success at Tennessee, and uh, and, and then what what kind of what kind of happened? You talked early in the show about. When, when majors came home, uh, that, that, that dynamic changed and you had to make a change and went to MC. Uh, talk about that transition.
3: Well, I didn't go exactly to Maryville uh, College right after that. Uh, Johnny was having a difficult time mm-hmm. w- with me find out what he can do. And the the NCAA would you just allow three offenses and three defensive coaches and I told him, uh, we were out recruiting together because I was still recruiting for Tennessee. I said, look, if I were you, I'd take care of my staff that got me the national championship. Don't worry about me. I'll find a way. Uh, Man, that's, that's a class act. Well, right I after that, I turned down many colleges, UCLA, OMIS, Kentucky Kentucky, Oklahoma State, Indiana, Atlanta Falcons.
1: Was the Kentucky Mem- thing Memphis because of State. Tennessee? Uh-huh. <laughs> I said you turned down Kentucky just because you well, played for, at Tennessee.
3: No, Fran <laughs> Kersey was a great friend of mine. It asked me to coach there. That's awesome. So, but anyway, I did this because well, my wife went to Alcoa. Mm-hmm. My uh, my son graduated from Alcoa. My daughter graduated from Maryville, and the the community is a mountainous community. And I love the mountains. I don't think I've been to all those different places, and I think uh, I didn't want to leave the area. Awesome, awesome. It, it, and so I've been here over sixty-some years, I guess. And but, and when you got to MC, you I mean
1: you had a stable there when you got there as well, right? At Maryville College. Yeah.
3: I didn't know what I had. Be honest with you. <laughs> uh, I I found the kids that met the requirements that i asked for right and uh, you know
2: well i was a young sophomore linebacker and uh i heard that coach hersman's coming over and uh, probably half the defense guys were scared of him <laughs> 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 because here comes our tough hard-nosed uh de- defensive coordinator and i tell you what if he said go go a certain way you better go a certain way and uh it was a, uh, it was a very we knew we had high expectations. Uh, because he was an exceptional coach and we knew we were going to be a better defense because he's going to be in control of us.
1: So, Coach, coach Iruly, yeah. uh, when he came, when he came, what was that, when you knew that was coming down the pipe, was, was that, like you said, excitement, fear, or, uh, or uh, what did you I'll, know? I'll, a
2: little bit of both because, <laughs> I mean, he's was you very know, intimidating type of coach. And so, you know, we better toe the line. And you could tell the difference of our practices uh, defensively. It was a lot more high intensity. It was more, more effort was being given. And the things that Coach talks about, what he's looking for in terms of quality of a, a defensive player, I mean, that's what we were trying to attain every single time. And so uh, we had good ball players. I was still a young guy, but uh, Coach had very talented linebackers that uh, on that team.
5: Tony, I was a young tight end sophomore, and we were over there trying to run pass drills. Yeah, I didn't even
2: talk to Offensive guys
5: like you. Oh, uh, We were to- enemies. <laughs> we went to war on the field. Yeah. I remember trying to run past drills, and I heard all this enthusiasm and noise and confidence, and we were like we couldn't even talk to each other. The thing I remember was the excitement that Coach Hershman brought, and it was no fun, a tight end trying to go against his defense, I'll tell you that.
3: Well, uh, that's nice that you would say all these nice <laughs> things. Uh, but let me tell you, you've got to find the guy that will pay the price. And I, I love these guys because I knew how hard I worked them. And, you know, the big thing that they talk about is explosion. You know, uh, I, I'll give you an example of what we did uh, because everybody wants to know. I told the linebackers, explosion on a blocker or a ball carrier is just like hitting a baseball. And I said, Hank Aaron only weighed 170 pounds. Yet how does he knock all those home runs? And this is the example I gave. I said, if he hits it too far underneath, it's a pop-up. If he hits it on top, it's a grounder. He gets the leverage right under the halfway mark, and he gets speed on impact. Well, hitting a person is basically the same thing if you want to win. You can only swing a bat so fast. But when Hank Aaron met the ball, he broke his wrist. He turned his wrist over to get that extra speed. You've got to have leverage And speed to make the ball really explode. Mm -hmm. Well, the same thing with taking on a blocker or a ball carrier. I put a big lineman at UT about 30 yards down the field, and I put the linebackers in a three-foot square, and I said to that lineman, take them out of there. Take them out of that block. You don't see that in a game or anything, but. Bowl in he, the ring, bowl in the ring. But he gets confidence, Say, So that big lineman, he can only run so fast anyway. Comes over there, and the linebacker's waiting for him, moving his feet, and explodes and gets rid of him. They could hardly ever knock one of my linebackers out of that square. Mm-hmm. That gave him great confidence that he could take on everybody. You're not going to see a situation like that in a game. And confidence is so important, and we did it over and over again with the repetition to give us that confidence. We could take on anybody. We never fielded anybody. I never went into a contact or any of my players that they thought they wouldn't win. They always thought they would win. Mm -hmm. I
5: remember you, Coach, making that individual feel like he was the one man in the entire universe who did what he just did that you observed. And that does something to you. It changes your life.
3: Well, you base that on confidence. Yeah. Absolutely. That's all it is.
1: Coach said if you didn't do it, I was about to change your life. <laughs> <laughs> very, very. <laughs> let me tell you a story here. Uh,
2: you know, whenever we would prepare for a game, you know, it's game day, we had, we'd go out the field and go through pregame drills. Well, those were the 10 minutes coach would have us. During pregame individual drills, those were the toughest moments of the entire day. I mean, we went through high-intensity drills to get us prepared to play the football game, and uh, you know, after ten minutes, we're you know we're almost staggering off the field. But I guarantee you, whatever we were going to face during the game was going to be a lot easier compared to what we just went through. And so, coach always got us ready and prepared. Every single game and all throughout practices. We had a great group of linebackers. We had we had some of the guys. So.
3: We had some great ones there because yeah. they were willing to pay that price. Mm-hmm. I asked an awful lot of them. And you get to love somebody that goes through something like that. You know how tough it is. So mm-hmm. I, I really care for these guys. Wayne Dunn made All
2: American that year. All American. He was also an All American wrestler, too, one of the greatest <laughs> athletes ever to play. At Maryville College, and a very good friend. He and his wife Mary Lou. Uh, you know, Alvin Richmond played your kind of your will linebacker, and he was he was explosive. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Doug Smith played sort of like the the middle linebacker, the nose guard. Off, you know, I backed him up that year. Uh, but it was a great group of linebackers, and uh, like I said, we you know we had a, one of the top notch defenses in the entire country.
3: Yeah.
1: So, so, Coach, tell us a little Tony story, like so. He's a little fiery guy out of Florida. Got this killer stash. I keep giving him that hard time, but but tell us a little something, something about his explosion and 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 we had uh, we had uh, Evans. Evans David yeah. Evans in in just a few weeks ago and the battles that they would go to, uh, and and I think the way you were battling was the way Coach
3: would would teach you to do. Oh yeah. Well, he was aggressive. That's all I can tell you, because I started with that. I knew he was going to be fine, because the guys around him will have confidence that he's there. Mm-hmm. Linebackers really are like a fraternity; mm-hmm. they feel for each other because they went through hell together. That's right. And and uh, I I like that, that that they because you got to play as a team, and those linebackers were a team.
2: Well, let me just say this: at that time, when I was a sophomore, yeah, you know, I was still not quite sure exactly what I wanted to do. You know, I was. Just, at that time, I was majoring in uh, uh, statistics and, and I was thinking about going into more business. But Coach inspired me. And I, after being with Coach, I changed my major and I decided I wanted to be a football coach. And so I, so me as a football coach was basically due to the fact that the year that I had with Coach really inspired me. That's what I wanted to do. Because being a coach, you have an opportunity to make be a great influence on, on a lot of lives. And uh, that's what this coaching profession does, and that's obviously what coaches coach has done in, in my life.
3: Well, you teach, a, you teach a person to be a champion, mm. to win his battles. And if you can find somebody like that, you know you've got a, a, a great person. You know, I always say I'm more proud of the guys that played for me when they finished football mm. because football taught them when you get knocked down, you get back up, and life is the same way. No one goes through without being knocked down. Mm. Uh, and it just – I know that they're going to be champions.
1: And those principles still stand true today. But, Boone, what what you got over there?
5: You know me. I've, I've got – disagree with Tony. He didn't know what he wanted to do. He stood in front of that door and – Appeared studious in front of Carol's dad every day, knowing he was going to marry her. But that's another story. my my, my,
2: my wife's—we uh, met in college, and her father was the uh, uh, chief. Hearst was the head security guard, right at Merrill College.
1: So he was, was in the library. I remember that. Yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. going to
3: tell you what Carol was exciting. At the games, I'll tell you that. She would have been a great linebacker. I wish I had the privilege of coaching her. Oh, <laughs> oh, she, she gets oh, into
2: football games. A lot that's awesome. Buzzer.
5: And she's had a privilege of doing a lot of them.
4: Yeah.
2: It's, yeah, it's so a lot still of stuff. still stops. going strong, too.
5: Absolutely. Hey, Coach, uh, what you said rings the bell there. Uh, there's a suffering. There's an ordeal. There's a bond built. And uh, there's certainly amount of risk-taking in football. But, Coach, I was thinking of uh, – One time when Battle was the coach and the D D coordinator would come down to you and tell you the signals, we're in a certain game. I think we're playing Memphis. One of the most fascinating stories I've ever heard. Do you remember that uh, special defense? I think they ran like the Veer. They were running all over us. Can you share on that story a little bit?
3: Well, that was disappointing to me because I knew uh, Larry – Jones, at that time, was the defensive coordinator, and he was up in the press box calling the defenses. And I was signaling him in to my linebacker. Right. Well, we knew that we had a difficult time stopping the veer. So I devised – not a a, a, line, not a defense that you would use all the time. Very
5: unorthodox, we Very might say.
3: unorthodox. And, and uh, we practiced it during the week. I never put anything in we didn't practice. And uh, during the game, Memphis State is running all over us with that beer. This is the first quarter. Well, he signaled down our base defense, Larry did, but I called that or, kind of unorthodox defense, <laughs> and we stopped them dead. And I kept calling it at different times. I, I would alternate different defenses that was called mm-hmm. right. with that one. And so we came in at halftime, and Coach Battle was asking us how we can stop that veer the second half. And I said, we'll use that orthodox, unorthodox uh, defense. And I think that'll stop them. He said, but they'll, they'll learn. And I said, they'll have to change what they're doing. And if we can make them change, we got a chance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, again, the second half, he, uh, Coach Jones was signaling down the basic defense. And they're running all over us. So I started signaling in the unorthodox defense. And I called it just about every other play. And uh, we stopped them dead, and we won the game. And after the game, nobody would say thanks, you know, oh, wow. on the thing. And that hurt me because I knew if we lost, I'd have been fired. On the spot. Right then. But, uh, again, I, I have a competitive spirit that I want to win ah. and, uh, and whatever it takes. But that was disappointing to me. But uh, we won the game.
1: I have a – sorry, we're going to jump all the way back to Fulton just because I forgot one story that I wanted to put in there. Uh, It was because it's in your book, talking about uh, a certain bus driver to go 10 miles down the road because you were going to make players walk all the way back to Knoxville.
3: We were playing Irwin, Tennessee, up in the mountains there in East Tennessee. And uh, the week before, they were playing rule who had several blacks on their team, and uh, they rolled the bus uh, because they don't have any uh, black folks in that community up in Irwin. At that time. At that time. time. And uh, so I called the coach up. I said, we have one black on our team. Uh, Oscar White was his name. Good football player and a great kid. And I'll tell you a little story about him. He had some tough times in his life. He became an uh, uh, officer in the Army. Uh, and uh, his wife worked at the Pentagon. And the, that plane that hit the Pentagon killed her. Oh, no. And, oh. and he brought up his two kids who went to graduate school. He was a great kid and retired in the service in the Army. As a full colonel. Oh, wow. Man. Uh, this is Oscar White, was his per- name. Oscar White. G- great, yeah. great hero of mine. That's great. Well, anyway, I told the team. Uh, oh, I talked to his mother, and I told her the situation, and she didn't want him to go mm-hmm. up there. So I told the team <clears throat> if we don't win this game, we're going to walk back from Irwin, Tennessee, which is over 60 miles. Right, And uh, I told the bus driver uh, to go down the road about 10 miles. We'll get on there <laughs> right. if we lose. Well, we were behind there at the end of the game. He takes off.
1: The bus driver, the then. The bus driver,
3: yeah. but we came back and won the game. And we walk out after we shower and there's no bus. Oh. So <laughs> no. I had to send... Uh, a parent down to tell the bus driver to come on back and so uh he comes on back and uh we get on the bus but
1: <laughs> that's that's tough times but that that's so great that you know uh, in, in a time well before where we're living at right now that you had the forethought to say you know what this is this is my player we're going to do this thing the right way and to to use it as motivation and get the team behind Oscar and, and, and to win football games and, and to kind of brotherhood together there.
3: Well, I never saw color in in a person. I saw uh, what they achieved yeah. and, and uh, mm-hmm. how bad they wanted it. I could care about that or religion or whatever.
1: But I swear, people need to hear that. People need to hear that. Especially today.
2: nowadays, I've, they absolutely. absolutely do need that. You didn't mind having Italians on the team, did you?
3: No, nope. but I played with a lot of, <laughs> hey, it's a great race. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but, but Coach, so you, you coached at Maryville College. So what happened post that? Because you, you've stayed around and you've done a lot of well, great things. Well, I wanted to
3: stay in the area, as I said before, and I, I turned down a lot of people just to stay uh-huh. because I love the area here. So I built an athletic club called Olympia Athletic Club. And we were in it for 30-some years with my family, mm-hmm. who are great champions in my life because they all had to perform. Uh, my, my daughter did aerobics. My son, uh, uh, her name was Yvette. She, she was a professional ballerina oh, at, wow. in Denver and Seattle, Washington. I told her to come home and make a living. So <laughs> <laughs> my wife was doing the bookkeeping, and she taught my daughter how to do bookkeeping. Yeah. So they took care of the bookkeeping. My son Eric uh, and I were both selling, and he could work on things and make them right. Everybody had a particular job, and they were very successful. Well, and, and coach, you're
1: right here at Olympia right now. It's still still right over over the way, right?
3: Yeah. And we sold it, and uh, they're doing a tremendous job with it. Yeah. It's, it's a great looking place. I,
2: I remember when you're were, you were just about ready to open up, uh, me and uh, Wayne Dunn helped uh, bring the weights into the uh, into the uh, facility there yeah. and, and drag it in there. We spent all day doing that. So
3: well, I worked on it, but all I could do was labor. I didn't have any skill, and I put I. Put uh, thirty thousand board feet of barnwood in there. Yeah. Oh wow! By myself.
1: Awesome. Which that's the thing now. Like barnwood, put that in there. Yeah. yeah. Was, and and the thing is, you walked in there, boy.
2: You saw great pictures and mementos of Tennessee football all throughout, and that was really great. I got it in my house
3: now. It's all there, <laughs> right?
5: Hey, that stuff's made of oak. It lasts forever.
3: Yeah. <laughs> hey, coach. Is it's, it's made harder wood than oak. Uh, <laughs> That's all you got to say.
5: Harder than over. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You better have you better have the nail gun, coach. We would be cheating our listeners if we did not back up. I want you to go back and uh, give us the Johnny Majors memory. Uh, I think he was going into the hall as a coach. Of course, he wants uh, as a player, as a player, as a player. Yeah. Uh, he wants his special teammates around him, and it's a big fancy to do, and uh, you don't want to be embarrassed, right?
3: Right. Well, it happened. Uh, I I was running the Olympia Athletic Club at the time, and he asked me would I come over to New York. Uh, He wanted me there when he was put into the Hall of Fame as a player. Uh, And uh, I said I would, but I had a difficult time getting away, and I made my – Uh, time to go right before we took off Mm -hmm. so at any rate uh, my best friend or one of my good friends I should say, Frank Kalinski, had played tackle next to me Uh, we went together and we got off to the ward ward off Astoria and we didn't have a whole lot of money to be honest with you and we got one room and put four people in it Uh, and That's the only way we could afford it Uh because that's where the event was. Right. Well, right before we come out of the lobby and go up to the room to get dressed, the other guys were all putting on tuxedos. Well, I didn't get the word that it's going to be black tie. Frank says 2,000 people there, and you're the only one in a suit. I said, wait a minute. I'll go down the street and rent a tux. So he says, I'm coming with you. That's Frank. You know, yeah. He's a good friend. And so we go down there, I'm, he's, and Frank says, try on everything. I try on the coat. It looks good. Uh, at that time, I wore about a 52-inch coat, and, and uh, I tried on the uh, pants. Everything looked great, but it had a white shirt in cellophane, and I said, well, my neck at that time was only eight, 18 and a half. Uh, only, and, only. Yeah, well, it's 20 <laughs> some now. Um, and then uh, my arms, uh, I wear a uh, 37-inch sleeve, which is long. And the guy says, it'll fit. And Frank said, take it, try it. And I said, I can't. How am I going to carry it back to the hotel? So anyway, uh, I go back to the hotel. I put the shirt on. It's about two inches too short. So I put the tie on and tuck my chin down against my chest. Then the sleeves are up around my forearm. Oh, no. And, and so Frank gets two washcloths and pins them in. And i fold my arms and my head down. And we're walking, and a friend of Frank's from Pittsburgh comes in. He says, Hey, Frank, how are you doing? He says, uh, well, how come you're here? He says, well, Majors is a teammate of ours, Johnny Majors. And we wanted to see him go into the Hall of Fame. So anyway, uh, he looks over at me. I can hear him, I'm a little ways away. He says, I came down here with my teammates, they come. And well, I can hear the conversation he says, Boy, that's a good looking tux on that cripple. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm holding my head down, oh, no. my arms folded. Oh, and uh, uh, Frank says he played a lot of football. <laughs> that's
1: funny. That's funny. But, you know, it's, it's it, times like those. You don't know till you know that you needed a tux. But uh, that guy lied to you, he, it was not going to fit. No. <laughs> Did you go back down there when you returned it and let him know?
3: <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but, Coach, uh, so also kind of post-Maryville post College, post-coaching, stayed in the area. Uh, you picked up some uh, – been doing some radio here for, for, a, for a, quite
3: a while now. Yeah, I think uh, – golly. I, we, the show started
2: in uh, – it, it started
3: at – uh Bob Gilbert. Yeah. Olympia Athletic Club. Oh, I wow. I started with Bob Gilbert. Uh-huh. And uh, – it's been over thirty some years now. We've been running it. It's it really classic, is the oldest yeah. show uh, in Tennessee.
1: Yeah, and it's a, it's one that it's a staple. You know, ten to twelve on Saturdays, right here on WKVL. And uh, I'll be honest, between me checking it out and, and, and going to Blue Tick or what was, uh, what was Barley's, and then now Blue Tick Tavern. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a place like you go, and and you guys do a great job of raising up local athletes. Every week, you know, because I do the Mariville games, I'll see, you know, Coach West or Coach Hunt or those guys bringing their athletes down there, and you guys do a good job of raising those kids up.
3: Well, it's a fun thing, and we, it really shows off the athletes that are in Blount County, mm-hmm. and that's the basis of it. Of course, we cover Tennessee and Maryville College too, but the basis of it is for the high school and junior mm-hmm. high in this area.
1: Yeah, and it's been uh, been going on for thirty plus years, and uh, and uh, it, it's just uh, it's a staple. You got Coach Trail on there, you got Charlie Paleo, you got a, a whole uh, Eric Etchison does Mike some Edwards, things. And, yeah, Donnie, and Moore. Donnie Moore, yeah, and they all yeah. do a great job. It's just a whole dynamic because each person brings such a, a different piece. It
3: really is a a lot of fun. It's a, almost like a fraternity. You, you always
2: gotta sometimes hold your breath a little bit whenever. You, Ray Trail starts uh, talking and all that because you never know what comes out of his mouth sometimes and so uh, but it's it's great you know those those two guys between Coach Trail and Coach Herzberg, I mean they get share a lot of stories and a lot of insights especially about Tennessee football.
1: Well, that logo on Coach Trail's hat probably tells you it's going to get a little wild, Razorback on that hat. Well, he. <laughs> Played at Arkansas, absolutely. Yeah, in fact,
3: he was the captain at Arkansas. Yeah.
1: Absolutely, he, he did some great things at Tennessee as well. He was a
3: good offensive line coach. Really good,
1: isn't he? Yeah. Sorry, tangent, sure. but Tennessee related. Is didn't he have a big part in getting Condridge to Tennessee?
3: He really did. He he recruited him out of Alabama. Yeah, and uh, he told him that uh, he'd have a hard time when Bear Bryant would come after him to make a decision to come to Tennessee. But he ended up at Tennessee. Yeah, I heard the yeah. reason
1: was big thing. Big thing was is we were willing to let him play quarterback. That was a
7: big yeah, deal,
3: right? Uh, they didn't. He's a great athlete, right? You can't say enough about his abilities.
1: The artful dodger, but yeah, Coach Trail got got a got a lot of credit there for doing that. The color orange, he's in eighty-five. Like there's no way. But uh, yeah. I appreciate you saying sit- He's not eighty-five. Like there's no <laughs> way but uh, I appreciate you I'm sitting
3: here. I'm sitting here and I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but
1: he's still kicking it. Absolutely. Right? Hey,
2: I, I'm still nervous for sitting around him sometimes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's like five more minutes, not, not yeah, minutes. I know. But, uh, but coach, thanks so much for sitting down and, and we've went into extended, we've been into overtime. So we're, uh, we're in, uh, in critical mass here, but we're, uh, we're excited to have this conversation and thank you for what you do for Blount County. I mean, it's, you you came here uh, to play football at Tennessee and has have fallen in love, made a family, and then now you impact this community in a great way.
3: Well, thank you guys. You do a great job for the community too, and, and I'm proud of that as well. I appreciate that,
1: Boone. You got any final final co- comments? No, you got a, a lot of questions. But <laughs> I'm
5: I'm mostly uh, sitting back, sponging in uh, the knowledge all these coaches over here, and uh, I tell you what really hooked me about Coach was. Uh, when he took on a, a girl's challenge, and she had a long swim for him, and that's a story for maybe another day. <laughs> that competitive spirit, he 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 will not back down from anything. I don't know
2: where the story's going right now. So I, <laughs> I, I
5: feel
1: like it's halfway across the river. I, I'm just saying. But anyway, coach, <laughs> coach, I appreciate you coming in. We we've got to get out of here and get Sp Nation back online. But but I wanna I wanna say again, thank you for coming in. It's great talking with you.
3: Well, thank you. appreciate everybody. it, coach.
1: Again, I, it's been Coach Hersburn, the extended edition. We'll uh, re-air this thing today at two p.m., and of course, we will. Uh, it'll be on our SoundCloud. You can check it out. It'll be. It'll be uh, listed as July 6th on the docket. But, uh, again, thanks again, Coach. Always great talking to you. Thanks, Coach Iruly. Always a uh, pleasure. For bringing the the heat, bringing some comments there from the MC days. And, again – I'm just
2: worried he's about to put me in a drill or two before we leave here.
1: I feel like I I just want to be the guy that stands in the box. You guys come at me. That's what we're going to do. But, anyway, hey, thanks for listening. You've listened to the Monday edition of The Grind right here, 100.9 FM – 8.50 a.m. and streaming at WKVL.com. But if you're on your way to work or on your way home, take care, be safe, and, yes, grind on. Your hometown
0: alternative to Ordinary Sports Radio, 100.9 FM, 8.50 a.m.